Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, so we are in the, in the middle of a, a series on uh, Moses, uh, called Moses the Servant of God, how God takes, shapes and uses a life for his purpose. I, I don't think we're going to show it today, the video, but that the whole idea of this, as I've said again and again, is, is the idea that, you know, you've got this image in the Bible of God being a potter and us being like clay and God takes, and if you think about a potter and, and clay, God takes the clay and he moulds it or the potter moulds the clay into something and uses it for whatever they want to use it for. And the clay very rarely has any say in that or speaks back or says, no, don't use me like that. You, you don't do that if you are clay. And I suppose I'm trying to get us to recognise that when it comes to God, we are more like clay and a potter than we are like buddies. Although God loves us and all that kind of stuff, he's not our buddy in that same kind of way. And, and that we have to be careful um, uh, sort of in how we relate to God, that we relate to him according to how he is rather than how we think he is. And so, and so it's this whole idea that, that God takes hold of Moses and he shapes him over many years. He takes him, he shapes him, and then he uses him for his purposes, not for what Moses wanted. He uses him for God's purposes. And so we've been looking at that over the weeks. And the last time we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, uh, from obedience to disappointment to promise and how, how Moses um, uh, left the wilderness. He came back to Egypt. Um, he's been obedient to God, uh, but immediately he hits a problem and there is major disappointment. And uh, in his moment of vulnerability and disappointment, God comes to him and promises him, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And, uh, and that's where we got to in the story. So now we're, we're moving on and we're just going to read a few verses from the end of chapter 6 and then the beginning of chapter 7. So chapter 6, verse 28, I think it's going to come up. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Or in another version it talks about, I am of faltering lips. How can I speak? And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. 
Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went out to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're with us and we pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be wondering why I've got some soldiers here. Uh, I used to play soldiers quite a lot when I was a child. I think my mum worried for a while uh, because I turned them into football teams and various other things. But the reason I've got soldiers here is to is to represent, uh, uh, kindly donated by Sam uh, Holden. Um, Thank you, Sam. Um, It's to represent this idea that God has now joined the battle for for, uh, Israel coming out of Egypt. And these soldiers over here, if you can see them, uh, the ones that are on your side facing out, uh, they're the Egyptians, yeah, they represent the Egyptians, particularly the magicians and the sorcerers and all those kinds of people. This is Pharaoh out here. And this is Moses and Aaron. And for the purposes of this illustration, I'm God. Yeah? I'm God. Yeah? Because, because uh, what I'm trying to, to show here is how ridiculous it was when God joined the battle... And Pharaoh thought, okay, let's go then. Me and God, battling it out. And we'll see as we, we'll, 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 we'll look at these, and you can continue to look at them. Um, but God sets up the confrontation with Pharaoh. He's worked in Moses' heart, in his life. He's got Moses to the place where Moses and his brother Aaron have now come before Pharaoh. But this isn't a game, This is not a game. This is going to be brutal and this is going to be tragic because Pharaoh thinks this is a battle between two powers, him and all his magicians and all their arts and crafts and sorcery and Moses and the slave god, whoever he is. That's what Pharaoh thinks is going on here and he's like, okay, Moses, come on. Come on, we can do this. He thinks that maybe it's a, just a battle between two, two sides and maybe at the end of it, if you've ever watched boxing, you can watch a really brutal fight and then there's mutual respect between the two fighters. This is not that battle. This is not that battle where it's two people, they've fought their best and one of them happens to prevail over the other, but there's respect. Yeah, 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 you fought well, you fought well. This is not that battle. This battle is not about two people, 
you know, Pharaoh with his gods and Moses with his gods. God is in complete control. Remember, I'm God. So if I wanted to, I could just pick them all up. Yeah, I could just move them out the way. Yeah, Moses is the only one on the table that recognises, Pharaoh, this is not like you and me. This is not us battling it out. There is a real God here and he can do stuff. Pharaoh doesn't realise that. Pharaoh thinks that Moses' God is no different to his God. In fact, probably his God is less than my God because he's a slave. These are slaves. God is in complete control and God can do what he wants. Yeah, (coughs) Just like I can with these soldiers do exactly what I want. I can take Moses and Pharaoh and I can knock all these others down. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, because in this thing, I'm God, and I put them up, and they've won. I can then pick him back up again if I want. That's the kind of power God has over the situation. God isn't fighting the situation. God is in complete control of the situation. So why is God confronting Pharaoh? We must understand this, because otherwise we can think that God is just cruel. Why is God confronting Pharaoh? And I think there are three reasons, and they came out in the passage that we read. First of all, God is going to judge Egypt. And he's going to judge Egypt because Egypt have oppressed his people. Yeah? So God is going to judge Egypt. God is loving and kind and gracious, but he does judge. He does judge. And he's going to judge Egypt because of their actions towards Israel. Secondly... God is going to bring Israel out of Egypt because that's what he's promised to do. So God has previously said, I'm going to bring them out. He says it to Abraham 400 years earlier. He says, he says they're going to go into Egypt and then I am going to bring them out. So God is going to fulfill that promise. He said he would do it. That's what he'll do. He's capable and able. And thirdly, and this is where we get the the little confrontation, God is going to show Pharaoh and Egypt that he is God. Because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, if you were here and I talked about that, Pharaoh's response to Moses, when Moses says, God says, let my people go, Pharaoh's response was, who's, who's the Lord that I should let the people go? Who, who is he that I should obey him? And God is saying, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you. you. You will know who the Lord is. And so this battle, it's not a game. Pharaoh might think it's a game, but in reality, it's not a game. So we find with Moses, he speaks about, you know, I speak with uncircumcised lips. Um, his doubts continue. So Moses, this servant, the person that God has taken hold of, he's shaping, he's still doubtful. He's still not sure about himself. He's like, how will Pharaoh ever listen to me? And what does God say to him? It's really interesting. Moses is like, how's how's Pharaoh ever going to listen to me? I've got faltering lips. And God says to him, you will be like God to Pharaoh. Now, I don't think that made Moses go, yeah, I'm going to be God to Pharaoh. And I don't think Moses ever looked in the mirror and thought, do you know what I'm God-like? I think we do that more than Moses ever did. We look in the mirror and go, yeah, 
Moses didn't do that. Though God said to him, yeah, actually I don't do that at all. (laughs) Um, Moses, uh, so God says to Moses, look, you will be like God to Pharaoh. Yeah? Now you have to understand, bearing in mind all that I've said, that must be something to do with God because it's nothing to do with Moses. We know what Moses is like. Moses is like, oh, will Pharaoh listen to me? I don't know. You'll be like God to him. So when you speak, Pharaoh's going to go, what? Who is this guy? (coughs) Moses remains fearful and doubtful. You see, God doesn't take your weaknesses and just make them better. You know, like you're weak in an area and, and you realise, oh, God's spoken to me and my identity, and then you get stronger and stronger. It's not necessarily like that. God didn't take Moses' weaknesses and make him better. He simply took Moses as he was and he used him. And he was able to do that because Moses had got to the point where it was like, okay, whatever you say, I'm going to do, yeah? Because if you're telling me I'm going to be like God to Pharaoh, you must be doing something that I can't see because I am not God. So whatever you say to me, I'm going to do. It had nothing to do with Moses' personality, his gifts, his purpose, what he thought he was called to do. Nothing to do with those things. It was all to do with his ability to allow God to use him. So you might think you've got gifts and skills and various things that God has placed in your heart, but don't let them become the hurdle to God actually using you because you think to yourself, oh, I need to be used. God, no, you're not going to use me over there. I'm no good with young people. God, I'm called to this. You know, but you keep pulling me this way. But God, no, I'm not you. You've spoken to me about this. God will use you in whatever way he will use you if you allow him to. That's, That's really the story of Moses. God would use him. It wasn't about Moses. Moses had no confidence in himself. Moses didn't look God-like. God sets it up. Why? So Pharaoh's here. Moses and Aaron are here. God's here. Pharaoh has no idea that God is involved. Or the God he thinks is involved is like this. He thinks God's like a little plastic soldier, like his God's. But in reality, God created everything. The real God created everything. So what does Pharaoh say to Moses? So he sets it up. He throws the first punch when he says to Moses, okay, prove yourself. Do a miracle. Show me something. So you can imagine Pharaoh's dancing around now. He's okay then, Moses, come on. And you almost Moses wants to say, Pharaoh, no, 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 it's not like that. Yeah, this isn't a game of you and me. There is a real God and he can destroy you. That's really what he needs. He's like, no, no, it's not like that. But Pharaoh's like, come on then, show me something. And Moses throws down his staff or he gets Aaron, throw down the staff. The staff becomes a snake and everyone goes, whoa, whoa. Because they're Caribbean and they're like right in it. And they're like, yo, look. They're like that and Pharaoh's looking round and then he gets all his men and they throw down their their staffs and their thing. They throw down their thing and everyone's yo, yo. And so it's like equal. There's like, it's like round one. It was equal, even though Aaron's staff eats up the others. So there's a little hint there. There's a little hint there that this isn't an equal battle. You throw down your staffs and my staff eats them all up. This is, not a, this is not an equal battle. 
there is something bigger. I mean, some of the commentators talk about um, the reason that the Egyptians had, the, had uh, staffs that became snakes. Was that, it was actually an illusion. They had snakes and they, they used to uh, rub them behind the, the, sort of the back of their head and they would become stiff. This is what someone wrote. I don't know whether it's true. Um, and so, in effect, it was a bit of an illusion. Because what does it describe these people as? It describes them as sorcerers, magicians, and people like that. Secret arts. Aaron didn't have secret arts. When Aaron threw his wooden staff down, it became a snake. It wasn't like, oh, you know, you do an illusion, I do an illusion. No, this is not an illusion. I don't know how many of you have seen that guy. I, can't, I think his name's Dynamo, the, the magician, the illusion who walks on the water. He walks on the Thames, yeah? Don't know how you've seen him, and the crowds are watching as he walks. He's walking along like this, yeah? Like, like he is Jesus on the Thames, walking on the water. We know, and you know, because you can go on the internet, and you can discover how he does that, yeah? It's an illusion, just in case you didn't know, yeah? It's an illusion. When Jesus walked on the water, it was not an illusion, It was not a trick of the camera. It wasn't a trick of anything. It was Jesus showing, I have power over this. I have authority over creation. When he walks on the water, actually, he does it in a storm. And when the disciples see him coming in the storm on the water, what do they say? They say, it says they're terrified. The winds and the waves are all blowing and buffeting. And there's one occasion where he walks on the water and he's walking towards the, uh, the boat and the disciples see him. And Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. Tell me to come. Peter gets out the boat and he walks on the water. Now you and I, there's, there's no magic there. Peter hadn't worked out an illusion. How do I walk on water? Make it look like I can do that. No, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he could walk on the water. But sometimes we can think that God plays games and God doesn't, the real God doesn't play games. He is real. He is holy. He's not messing with Pharaoh. This is not just a little battle. This is not illusion. This is real. You mess with God, your life's in danger. Now I understand he's full of grace and all that kind of stuff, but you mess with God, you treat him like, who is the Lord? You treat him like that, you treat his people like that, you're in danger. As Pharaoh was. So God shows him. It's not with God, it wasn't illusion, it was real. He shows I have power and authority over creation, just like I have power and authority over you. But we see in this passage, and some for some of us it, it proves a bit tricky, it describes God as hardening Pharaoh's heart. And some of us think, well, that just seems a little bit unfair. Why would God harden his heart? Um, You know, he didn't need to do that. He could have maybe been a bit more gracious towards Pharaoh. I think the the first thing we probably need to understand there is is Pharaoh wasn't open-hearted to God. 
He wasn't standing there going, look, I, I just want to know God and how do I get to know him, Moses? And, and then God says, I'm going to harden. No, it wasn't like that. Pharaoh's heart was already hard to God. Pharaoh wasn't looking for God. He was already hard to God. But as he reveals more signs, God reveals more signs, Pharaoh's heart becomes harder. And it's really interesting because we can sometimes worry, you know, or can think about that. But there are some things that we just need to consider around this. Pharaoh's heart was not soft and he wasn't open. In fact, he was the opposite because when Moses says, let my people go, and he says, who's the Lord that I should let the people go? Um, he, then, he then puts more suffering upon the people, doesn't he? He puts more suffering upon them. But secondly, if you think about it, it's not unusual for God's active presence to harden hearts. It's not unusual. This would not be the only time in the Bible where you discover God's active presence or God's voice hardening hearts. And God releases the people like this, but we know later when the Israelites are there uh, in the wilderness, their hearts kept getting harder to God. Why? Sometimes it was through his own blessing of them. God takes the people out of Egypt and the people start to complain and moan. They harden their hearts. It says in Psalm 95 verse 7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Why does it say that? Because there is a possibility that you could hear the voice of God and be hardened towards it. You become hardened to him. Not softened, not open. And that was the experience of the people of God. They became hardened hard towards God. Pharaoh became hard towards God. The more God did to demonstrate his power, the more Pharaoh hardened. And so we have to consider for ourselves, sometimes we harden our hearts when God speaks. Sometimes we harden our hearts. Sometimes somebody might bring a word to us. Maybe Pauline will bring a word to me or something. Or maybe someone will bring a word to you. And it's coming from God and you react to it. You reject it. No, I will not hear that. It may well be God. And you've just hardened your heart. Sometimes the voice of God causes you to harden your heart. We see it with Pharaoh. We see it with Israel. Let's be honest, we see it in our own lives. Sometimes the very voice of God causes me to be more hardened. Somebody might walk into church and they walk out of church more convinced that they don't want to believe in God than they were when they walked in. That's the hardening of the heart. For us, things have changed because for the believers, for the Christians, I'm not being funny, but sin can look different for us. Sin is, you know, I could go out and kill people and that's sin. I could go and steal things from the shop and that would be sin. I could just bash people up. I couldn't really, but I could try. That would be sin. Um, But I don't do any of those things. Yeah? And I bet that most of you don't do those things. So if I said to you, how many of you killed someone this week? No, no, not this week. Yeah? Most of us haven't done those things and we don't do those things. And by the grace of God, he's, he's changed us and moved in our lives. And, and uh, I mean, it's great. I don't mean to sort of, but it's great seeing Jamie here. I just remember the, at the wedding, 
the testimony that Jamie gave of the work of God in his life. It was wonderful. It was wonderful what God had done. And sometimes God does great things in our lives. So for me, sin doesn't look the same as it used to. When I wasn't a Christian or, or, or growing up, when sin looks like this and I would be you know, horrible to people or whatever, I'm not saying I'm not horrible, but I don't mean to be horrible to people these days. In the past, I don't think they minded, but these days I don't, I don't mean to be horrible to people. But sin is still in my life and it looks like this. No, I will not do that. No, oh no, I don't want, no God, I'm not going to do that. God brings something my way, I don't want to do that, I'm going to do this. Yeah, Pauline's talking to me, now. I'm not listening to that, I'm going to go and do this. So you see, rebellion can look really polite. Disobedience can look okay. <coughs> unbelief can look nice. But it's still unbelief. It's still rebellion. It's still disobedience. And so the word of God is this. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't, don't, don't say to yourself, no. No, I will not hear this. Or, no, I've got too many other things on. Don't do that. This series has, always, has all been about God taking and shaping. I say that again and again. But what we see here, which must be an encouragement to us, is God takes a man like Moses, who in and of himself was no greater than you or I, really. You see so many of his, his human side that you realise, oh, Moses was just normal. He takes a man like that, not because of his gifts, and he makes him a messenger of God. Do what I tell you. Do the thing I've shown you to do. And so Moses ends up leading the whole of Israel out of Egypt, which becomes the primary story of the people of God from that moment on, is the Exodus. Moses leads them out simply because he was obedient. Now, I'm not saying that God has called any of us to be like Moses in the sense of leading out people like that. But in the world in which you are, you can be like God to people. If you are willing to be open, if you do not restrict yourself according to the gifts that you think you have and the thing that you think God's called you to do. Oh, God one day is calling me to go to India. So right, while I'm here, I'm just, I'm just not doing anything. Where you are right now, if you are open to God, if you, if you allow yourself to be used, you can be like God to people. Yes, some people will be hardened because of that, but you know what? Other people will be blessed because of that. This is not an evangelism technique. Oh, I can be like one to people. It's not a new thing. This is just, what is it like to be open? What is it like to allow God to use me in whatever way he would, where I literally become a messenger? That's all Moses was. You don't find Moses querying God. Moses doesn't say, and when, when we look at the plagues, Moses doesn't say, gnats, God, are you sure? Frogs, really? You don't hear Moses have those kind of conversations. God says, I want you to do this, and Moses just goes, okay, okay, if you say that, I'll just go and do it. A bit like Peter walking on the water. He's looking at Jesus. As long as I look at Jesus, I can do something which is absolutely unnatural for me. I can walk on the water. But the moment he starts to look at the circumstances, the moment he starts to look at himself, he begins to sink. 
But as long as he's looking at Jesus, and I'm, I'm just sure Moses was like, okay, God, I'm looking to you. You say I'm going to be like God to this, to this king. I don't know how you're going to do that, but I think if I look at you, that's, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Question, do you want to be used? Or are you waiting for the moment? Are you waiting for the thing? Or have you got a, ver- a list of things that you can do for God and a list of things you don't want to do for God? Because sometimes we just approach God on our own terms. God, I'm, I'm open to stuff, you know, provided I go there. Or provided I do that and provided I do this, I'm open. But do you want to be used? Are you willing for God to use you where you are? Right now, where you are, the place that you work, the people that you see, are you going, God, I want to be open. You could use me here. I could be a channel of blessing to people. Why does God use people? We don't know that. Why, why did God have to use Moses? He could have just picked up Pharaoh and all his men and put them to a side and then moved them through. But he doesn't do that. He uses people and he uses you and he uses me. Am I open to being used. Will you do what he tells you? Are you willing to lay down your rights, we sang? Or are you insisting on God on your terms? I can do stuff, God, provided. Now I know the challenge that we have of just, we live in a most of us, we don't, we're not, we don't live in church every day. We live among people all the time. And we're not sort of, you know, and I've, I've lived in that, in that world. But actually that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is with you. And he's not with you just to give you good feelings or whatever. He's there to guide you. You can ask him every day. Holy Spirit, what shall I do today? Sometimes what I've discovered is I need to, my natural response to things, as I know a lot of us are, is I, I can bring solutions to stuff. I see a problem, I'll bring a solution to it. I want to do something, I'll just go and do it. Whereas sometimes, if you actually want to follow God, you need to hold back on your solution, and you need to wait. And when you wait, sometimes God will reveal things. God will open things up. God will show things that you just would not have seen. Now, it's a faith thing. It really is. You ha- you're living by faith at that point, not because oh, I don't have any money to buy any food, but, but I'm living by faith in the sense that I am no longer going to rush ahead and just do stuff. I'm no longer going to think to myself, God's given me all these gifts, I'm just going to use them. Randomly, as I will. No, God has a plan. Moses wasn't probably interested in showing Pharaoh who the Lord is. Moses just wanted to get the people out of, out of Egypt. He wasn't probably interested in punishing. That's not him. Moses was interested in one thing. God was interested in lots of things. And God can use you. And God can use me. Let's pray. We don't often do this, but I'm going to give an opportunity that Just, I'm just going to pray in a moment 
and I'm just going to pray uh, for people who want to be used. It's really that simple. And people who want to overcome their natural tendency to want to do stuff, to have God on their own terms, and just to be this empty vessel, the clay, the plastic soldier. It sounds really boring, but actually Moses achieved far more that way than he ever would have achieved had he done things his way. And if that's you, if you're like, God, yeah, I want to be used. Not so much because I feel I'm called to this or that. I just want to be used. I want to be available to you every day. If that's you, I want you to stand and I'm going to pray. Well, we want to be used, don't we? So why don't we just hold our hands out to God and, and it's, a, it's, a just, it's a simple sign of going, God, it's, it's true, I want to be used. I'm not just standing because everyone stood. I'm standing because I want to be used. And so, Father, I, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for every person here. It's, it's really simple. God, we look at the example of Moses and we're seeing that he, he doesn't do much. It's not obvious that Moses was great in power. It's obvious that you were. And Father, I want to pray that we would be among those people that allow you to use us. I pray, Father, that we would not be those that harden our hearts, but rather we just become like empty vessels. We become like Peter when he steps out the boat for some moments he walked on water and it wasn't an illusion. He was looking at Jesus. And so this morning we come and we look to Jesus. And we say, would you help us to be those that are used? And Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will remind us this week. When we're about to sort it all out when we're about to make it work, when we're about to harden ourselves because maybe somebody said something we don't like, remind us, do you want to be used? Leave it to me. It's not about you. And Father, I thank you that you can do far more with us like that than we can ever do ourselves. No matter how much praying we do, it, we do no matter how much stuff we try and work out you can do far more when we are just open empty vessels clay with a potter so take hold of us this morning i pray father why don't you just pray your prayer why don't you just articulate verbalize what's going on for you right now Yes, so Father, take hold of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website 
which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.